Hello and welcome to You Might Also Like, a podcast where you will receive the movie suggestions you didn't know you needed. I'm your host, as always, Luke Spaulding. And this week, guys, we are talking about two movies where the protagonists deal with a curse in some form or the other based on the actions of their ancestors who inflicted these curses upon their families for decades and decades to come. So the first movie involving this curse is the Disney movie Holes, based on the book by Louis Satchar. Holes is one of my favorite Disney movies. Let's just, let's rewind and let's sit back and pretend that we're in 2003, back when I thought that it wasn't Shia LaBeouf. I thought his name was Shyla, first name, last name, Buff. Shia LaBeouf. I think that's kind of a better name, honestly. <laughs> but back when Shia LaBeouf had his curly afro and he was even Stevens, back when Lindsay Lohan was swapping minds or swapping bodies with her mom, Jamie Lee Curtis, back when Lizzie McGuire was getting her own movie and singing, Hey Now, Hey Now, This Is What Dreams Are Made Of. What a time to be alive it was back then. There was so much good media being released then, TV shows and movies, and that's when this movie Holes came out, and it's still just as iconic to me as it is now, as it was back then. I think it's still as... I mean, I see there's this TikTok going around where it uses like the audio from the scene in Holes. I'll just play that right here. Maybe this movie isn't as culturally prevalent as I think it is, so for those of you who maybe haven't seen this movie, the plot, as the internet says, is a wrongfully convicted boy is sent to a brutal desert detention camp where he joins the job of digging holes for some mysterious reason. I'll tell you the reason. As Mr. Sir says, Mr. Sir says you're digging holes to build character, and that's all they know why they're digging the holes. So yeah, like, the movie starts and you meet Shia LaBeouf's, who is Stanley Yelnats the fourth, because he lives with his dad, who is Stanley Yelnats, his grandfather, who is Stanley Yelnats, who he shares a room with, and his mom, and and his family is a little eccentric. There, like his dad is obsessed with trying to find like the new best shoe odor eliminator, so he's always like boiling stuff in a huge cauldron on the. And there's always, like, shoes hanging, and they're on the verge of being evicted because their apartment smells so bad. That was always, like, a random, like, little plot point in the movie. But one day, poor Shia LaBeouf's just walking around, and then a pair of shoes gets, like, thrown over a ridge and lands on him. And all of a sudden, he's being charged because their shoes came from, like... He, they're saying he stole the shoes from a charity auction, even though it was somebody else who stole them and then threw them over a bridge and they landed on Shia LaBeouf. Basically, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and he is a minor, so he, instead of going to prison, he's sent to Camp Green Lake. Can we talk about child labor? It's literally a camp in the middle of the desert where they even wear orange jumpsuits. <laughs> like, and poor Shia thinks he's going to, like, go on he thinks it's an act he gets there and he's like so where's the lake like the lake dried up way many many years ago and now they just dig these holes or he gets there and he meets the big 
mean kind of Mr. Sir, who is played by John Voight. And the voice that John Voight talks in in this movie gives me nightmares still to this day. And then as he's there, he starts to meet all the um, other, I don't want to call them inmates, because they're, but they kind of are. I mean, they're literally in orange jumpsuits, even though you can say they're not inmates because they're minors. But that's really what the camp counselors here are treating them as. They all have these funny nicknames. There's Armpit, there's X-Ray, there's Zigzag, there's Zero. And one of the counselors, Mr. Pendesky, who in this movie, Mr. Pendesky is played by is played by Tim Blake Nelson. He said he right off the bat tells Stanley Yelnats, like, I I prefer to call everyone by their like the name their parents named them when they were born. And then this poor little kid Zero who is played by Cleo Thomas. I want everyone right now, pause the podcast, go and Google Cleo Thomas. If you watched this movie as a kid and you saw little cute Zero in his afro and hadn't gone through puberty yet, why don't you go ahead and Google him right now? Did did you Google him? You're welcome. He's He definitely had a glow up. But poor Zero, the counselor is like, I call everyone by their Christian given names. And then he's like, sees zero and he's like this is zero we call him zero because he's got nothing going on in his stupid little head of his i'm like okay what did apparently for some reason the counselors all hate zero and they rag on him so much like this poor little kid like he doesn't even talk like what did he ever do but as time goes on and stanley's digging the holes at the camp it starts to um you start to learn about the curse and Stanley's there because he's cursed and his family's cursed all because of his no good, dirty, rotten, pig stealing great great grandfather who he was supposed to. They all have bad luck because of him because back in the day he was trying to woo some lady and he wanted to give her dad a pig so he could get this woman. But the pig that he had gotten from Madame Zoroni, who, which is Eartha Kitt, <laughs> um, it was a little pig, and Eartha Kid is like, hey, if you carry this pig up the mountain and let him drink from the stream on the mountain and sing this song to him, and then he'll get bigger and bigger every day, and then, but if you forget to carry Madame Soroni up the mountain after you do this, you and your family will be cursed for always and eternity. And what does he do? He grows the pig, and then he forgets to carry Madame Soroni up the mountain. So... Lo and behold, his the poor Yelnats family is cursed for always and eternity, and poor Shia LaBeouf has got to go dig holes every day for his youthhood. I mean, all because of the freaking great-grandfather. He had to do one thing. Eartha Kitts probably weighs 90 pounds. She wouldn't be that hard to carry her up a mountain. <sighs> but also the whole time that he's at this camp, you've got flashbacks to kissing Kate Barlow, who is played by Patricia Arquette, Patty Arquette. We love her. She's the best character in this movie. It, we start getting flashbacks because it started, it's showing what Camp Green Lake was like before the lake dried up. And it was this bustling, I say bustling, but it was like this old tiny town that had an actual lake and had citizens living in it. And it wasn't a detention camp for troubled kids. And um, you start to meet... Um, kissing Kate Barlow, but at first she's just, um, 
Miss Catherine. She's a sweet little teacher who falls in love with... There's, there's this really cute backstory with her and this um, handyman named Sam who's always fixing stuff for her in her schoolhouse. And he's uh, there's this cute, you know, montage where he's like, I can fix that. And Patty Arquette is like crying over a book she's reading and he's like, I can fix that. And then he kisses her. But then the ignorant racist townspeople see a white woman kissing a black man. So a little bit of a spoiler, guys, but they end up killing him. That's why Patty Arquette ends up going from sweet old Miss Catherine, the school teacher, to kissing Kate Barlow, the outlaw who rides a horse and shoots all these men and then kisses them when she kills them because that's where she got the nickname but i'm kind of glad she became that person because she's the most badass best disney character there is out there best character in this movie next to siggy weaver yeah we got we've got my favorite sigourney weaver in this as the warden of the camp at first you think that mr sir john voight is the warden but then they're like oh no no the warden is a lady and then like 40 minutes into the movie. It's funny because Sigourney Weaver is the top build in this movie, but she doesn't even show up until 40 minutes in. There's this thing where they're like, oh, if you find something good in one of the holes, like you get the day off and uh, Shia LaBeouf finds something. So they're like, let's call the warden. And then all of a sudden this like Cadillac starts rolling down through the desert and then Sigourney Weaver pops out. Ugh. There's this one scene with Siggy where she... Where the, so uh, Shia LaBeouf steals, I forgot to mention John Voight's always chewing these disgusting uh, seeds and he's always talking with his mouth full and his like, Ooh, I'm John Voight, you, you're digging holes for character. Oh, that was actually a pretty good impression of what he sounds like in this movie. I'm impressed with myself. But he brings, he, uh, Shia LaBeouf steals his seeds from his truck and then so he finds out and then John Voight brings him into the warden to talk to Sigourney Weaver and Sigourney Weaver is just acting super calm the whole time they're talking and she's like painting her nails and she's like you know what this is Stanley this is my special nail polish this is my it's made with rattlesnake venom and it makes the gloss like shine a little bit more and then like she's painting her nails and and then um John Voight's just going on and on about how he stole his sunflower seeds. And then Sigourney Weaver just turns around and backhands him so hard in the face with her nail polish from the rattlesnake venom. Oh, she's just so scary in this movie, but she's perfect for this role as a warden. But ultimately, guys, towards the end of the movie, we find out that they're not just build, they're not just, uh, digging these holes to build character. The warden has another motive on why these boys are digging these holes, but that's that's what I'm going to leave you guys as the viewers to go and find out yourself if you haven't seen this movie. Or maybe you, like me, just hadn't seen this movie in a long time and you kind of forgot what happened, so you want to find out. This movie, rightfully so, got a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, yeah, I would give this movie also like a 80%. This is a really great Disney movie. If you want to watch it, you can find it on Disney+. Plus. If you liked Holes, um, IMDb is telling you that you might also like The Sandlot or 
Sky High. Wow, that was a classic Disney movie from my past. Cool Runnings, Freaky Friday, The Parent Trap, another movie that I talked about in my first episode, actually. Um, so basically, it's just suggesting you a lot of other, like, you know, early 2000s Disney movies, which that's not what this podcast is about, though. I mean, I'm not here to tell you that you shouldn't watch those movies because I love Freaky Friday and Sky High and Cool Runnings. I mean, those are all great movies, but I'm here to suggest to you another movie involving a family with a curse. That movie is Practical Magic from 1999, starring Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman as witches. First off, why didn't you guys tell me that there's a movie with Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman as witches? Whose job was it to tell me about that movie? Because you're not doing your job. How did I go 21 years of my life not knowing this movie existed? I mean, so we've got the Yelnats family is cursed because of their no-good, rotten, pig-stealing grandfather. And the Owens women are cursed because of their first ancestor who was the first witch in their bloodline who she basically cursed them to always never be able to find love any man that any of the owens women fall in love with end up dead somehow but i'll read you guys the plot based on what they say on imdb but i basically just told you two witch sisters raised by their eccentric aunts in a small town face closed-minded prejudice and a curse which threatens to prevent them from ever finding love. Ugh, how tragic. So first off, I want to talk about how, boy, was the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, was just the time to watch a movie or TV show about witches. Everybody in TV, sh everybody in film and television was like jumping on the opportunity to write a story about witches, and I am all for it. I mean, we had... The Craft, the classic movie about witches from the 90s. We had Charmed. Oh my gosh, I loved Charmed so much. A lot of scenes from this movie actually have like very Charmed vibes. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Hocus Pocus, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Also, let's talk about how, is it just like a witch, a female witch thing to have two kooky ants? Do all female witches have kooky ants? Because this movie, we've got the two kooky ants who are played by Stalker Channing, who is Rizzo from Greece, and also briefly in one of my favorite movies, The First Wives Club. And then the other one is played by Diane Weist, also a great older actress. And then, so basically, these poor girls, Nicole Kidman and Sandy Bullock, as kids, their dad dies because um, you know, the family curse, and then the mom, I guess, they just say she dies of a broken heart, but I don't really know what happens to her. I don't know if we're supposed to, if that's supposed to lead us to believe she maybe killed herself, but their mom's not in the picture anymore either, and they go to live with their kooky aunts. Um, <laughs> that's my word of this podcast is kooky. I love saying that word. And they grow up, and as they grow up, Nicole Kidman kind of is the one who's like, I gotta get out of this house. They live on a like secluded island in Massachusetts, and the whole town is like, knows that they're witches, and they ostracize them into this, and they 
are so mean to them. Like, there's this one scene where uh, they run into, like, the yard next to Sandy and Nicole's, and they start yelling. The, all the kids start chanting, like, witch, witch, you're a bitch. Like, oh my god, first off, like, come up with a better, like, burn than that. I mean, like, witch, witch, you're a bitch. Like, oh, creative, you rhymed witch and bitch. Cool. But, like, they grow up, and Nicole Kidman is like, I gotta get out of town. Like, I can't live in this town anymore or in this house. So she runs off. Sandy Bullock stays around and ends up meeting a town, a townsman. And they end up falling in love and running into each other's arms to this kiss by Faith Hill. I mean, what what more could you want from a movie? A Faith Hill song and Sandy Bullock finding love. But... <laughs> Sadly, that love doesn't last because of the curse. And then Nicole Kidman finds a man of her own, a Bulgarian, a kind of sketchy Bulgarian guy named Nick, who, um, so basically both the girls find love in some way or another. You know, Nicole's is kind of, she's the more eccentric one. She's traveling the country. She meets a Bulgarian guy who grew up near Transylvania Sandra Bullock ends up meeting a townsman and ends up having two girls. But sadly, they both lose their loved ones in one way or the other because of this damn curse. But ultimately, though, Nicole's guy ends up causing a lot of problems, and that's kind of the focal point of the end of the movie. And there's a lot of shit that goes on with him because he was not a good guy like Sandra Bullock's guy on top of like the conflict in this movie it i really liked it because it's so charming and it has a lot of like really cute funny scenes there's this one scene where um sandra bullock is mad because she never gets picked to be the like mom that's like the head of the phone tree at the pta meetings and she's at this pta meeting with all the like snobby like local moms who always have ostracized the girls since they were kids and then Nicole Kidman walks in and like her belly shirt and like she has like a snake tattoo hanging out and she like does a little like woo like a little dance and the, all the moms are like oh my gosh like is that a snake tattoo like oh she's so like and then um I don't really know what she does but Nicole Kidman puts a little spell and makes it so that Sandy's at the top of the phone tree and it's nice because the sisters really are always there for each other and Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock have really good chemistry and that's makes this movie so much more heartwarming there's also a really fun scene probably the best scene of the movie where um the girls wake up to like a um the sound of a blender and they're like midnight margaritas and they go downstairs and their kooky aunts like Stockard and Diane are like making margaritas at midnight and then they all start like walking around and dancing to Lime in the Coconut. The soundtrack in this movie also is incredible. We've got like Lime in the Coconut. We've got a Faith Hill song. It plays some Fleetwood Mac at the end. I mean a witch movie that plays Fleetwood Mac music is a must but great great soundtrack. But it's actually it was cute too because the scene where they all they all get drunk on this tequila and like start slinging insults at each other. And I read in the IMDb trivia that that actually was 
real like they all actually got drunk on this shitty wine that nicole kidman brought on set and they just kind of improvised that and started like shitting on each other which is really fun i would love to get uh tequila drunk with nicole kidman and sandra bullock and stalker channing and diane weiss that sounds like an amazing time margot martindale also has a small role in this movie she works at Sandra Bullock, like, owns a store where she sells, like, beauty products that she, I guess, makes with all the, like, herbs they have at home in, like, their witch garden. And Margot works at this store with her. Um, Evan Rachel Wood is one of Sandra Bullock's kids in this movie. It, the, the ending, while the ending does have a lot of, like, there was a couple scenes in the end where I was like, I I'm watching Charmed right now. This was, like, a scene straight out of Charmed. I mean, it, uh, at one point I won't say exactly who, but there is a scene where, like, someone's kind of having an exorcism and, like, a spirit, like, comes out of someone's body. Like, you're like, what the? And because of that, they have to have all the PTA moms come over because Stucker Channing and Diane Weist are like, hey, like, we're going to have to do an exorcism, but we're not going to be able to do it with just the four of us. Like, we're going to need some women power. And I'm like, yes, women power. That's what we need. This movie had so many women, not many men. And that's what I liked about it. So all the PTA moms come over, including Margot Martindale. And they all have to join together in this exorcism to help one of the main characters. And that ends up leading to probably the best line from the whole movie which is from Margot, where kind of a spoiler so but not really a spoiler basically the whatever entity that they killed ends up being like just dust on their floor and Margot is like come on ladies let's clean house and then they all literally like join together and like sweep out the ashes of this person <laughs> i'm like that is the best movie scene i have seen in 2020 the most shocking thing about this movie for me was the fact that it got a 22 percent on rotten tomatoes critics kept mentioning how like the tone shifts way too much which like yeah like the tone shifts i mean have you ever seen a dramedy movie like, the lives of witches isn't always just having margaritas at midnight with your kooky aunts. Sometimes evil spirits try and kill you. I mean, have we learned anything from Charmed or Buffy the Vampire Slayer? It's not always just riding brooms and wearing black. Like, they go through some deep shit. I mean, this is a family who has a curse on them where they can't find love and their loved ones and their lives are dying. And, I mean... Yeah, there's a lot of funny scenes in this movie and the sisters and the aunts all have a lot of love for each other and they have a lot of funny moments, but also they go through some real shit in this movie. But they go through it together because they're a family and they're powerful women and they can take on anything that comes their, their way. I mean, that's what I loved about this movie. So yeah, maybe the tone shifts a little bit, but I think that it was necessary for the tone to shift and that's what I liked about the movie. And, like, this is one of those movies, too, where, like, yeah, like, it didn't win any awards. Like, this isn't a movie that's trying to win a Pulitzer Prize. Like, I mean, but is it gonna win your attention and your love? Yeah. Yes, it is. I would give this movie a solid, like, 60 
6%. Also, fun little addition, it was directed by Griffin Dunn. If that name means anything to my This Is Us fans out there, he plays Nikki Pearson, who is like the drunk brother who was in the war with with Jack Pearson in the show. I mean, I didn't even know he was a director. So next time you watch an episode of This Is Us, just think, wow, that guy directed an iconic movie about Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman being witches. With that being said, you guys, rate and review me on Apple Podcasts. I mean, what other podcast are you going to listen to that's going to tell you that you should watch Holes and then also in the same episode tell you that you should watch Practical Magic? When is anyone ever going to suggest that movie to you, even a streaming service? I mean, this movie just got lost in the past 21 years, and I'm here to bring it out of the vault. Everybody go watch these movies again. You can also follow me on You Might Also Like Pod on Instagram. Until next Friday, goodbye.